Welcome to Commons and Chronicles, the podcast where we talk about all the best creative commons and reusable open game license content. If you need resources for your creative writing, game design, or you just love lore, Commons and Chronicles is for you. Hi everybody, this is Commons and Chronicles. My name is Klaatu, and I've been going through the Chromatic Dragons in the past couple of episodes, and these are the classic Chromatic Dragons of Dungeons and Dragons that was codified the sort of lineage and taxonomy of dragons. It was a, I, I think, and I, I've said this before, so I won't belabor the point any more than just saying I think that it was kind of groundbreaking for someone to sit down with this mythical collection of creatures, dragons, and to assign characteristics and traits, and even even down to the the reproduction and the the, the courtship and and social habits of of dragons. And I think that that's influenced the world really um, in in one way or another. So we finished the chromatic dragons, and I I was originally sort of thinking, well, I should cover the chromatics and then the metallics, and then go on to third party dragons. But then I kind of thought about that and realized that most of the third-party dragons are going to be beasts that are meant to be in combat against the PCs, whereas metallic dragons tend not to be, unless a PC, I don't know, has a, a very serious conflict with a good aligned creature uh, to, the, to the point that they need to, to go into combat with them, which I'm not sure what kind of game that is at that point. So I think covering the chromatic dragons was, was useful, but I think it's time to get into the third-party dragons. And there's so many third-party dragon things to choose from. It was really difficult to choose where to dive in. And interestingly, I, I chose, in the end, to dive in on one of the the sort of the most bizarre ones and the least evil ones. I didn't really intend for that to be the case. But yeah, this is a little bit towards, I guess, the metallic dragon side of things. But it's just cool not to, it's too cool not to start with. But there's, there's a lot out there. So in the Cobalt Press Tome of Beasts, which if you haven't heard about this book or you don't own it already, you should get a copy. They sell it as a PDF. They sell it as a hardback. It's well worth having. It's just one of those, as the name implies, a tome of, of monsters. It really is a pleasure, pleasure, pleasure to read. It is something that you can sit down with and just flip through all day long, honestly. And the Void Dragon is a great example of that. There are like three or four pages just about this one monster. So it's not it's not it's not a fifth edition monster manual where you get maybe two pages on on each on each monster on a good day. Um, I mean, nothing against the fifth edition monster manual, but but it's not exactly it's not a Tome of Beasts, honestly. The Tome of Beasts is a Tome of Beasts, so it's well worth having. The Void Dragons are dragons that are, um, well, they live in space. Now, of course, space in a fantasy world is not space as it is in the real world. Space in fantasy worlds tend toward more of the Jules Verne interpretation of space, or, or even earlier, if you, if you want to go back farther, where there were these, you know, there were these concepts of sort of floating spheres, and, and how they, how they have uh, some you know sort of nothing between them and yet you could pass through the nothing to get into other spheres so 
and and if you want more of that, you can certainly check out Spelljammer from TSR or Wizards of the Coast now, and it would explain the cosmology of of the fantasy of the fantasy universe in such a or the fantasy galaxy, I guess. In, in and you could figure out how to get from one world to another. For instance, you could jump on a boat and go from Tyrell to Kryn. You could do that. That would be something that you could do. And, and it would be a physical journey rather than a, a plane jumping uh, quest. So the Void Dragons exist out there in the empty spaces be, be, between the worlds. Not likely for your PCs to actually encounter these dragons unless you've got a space-faring adventure planned, which you may well have. Um, there is definitely there's precedence for that in 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 D and D. Obviously, with Spelljammer, there's precedence for it in in just fantasy storytelling. So you could possibly have PCs who are going to go out into space and encounter a void dragon. But I'll talk a little bit later about maybe other options of encountering a void dragon. First, let's talk about exactly what... Let's get into the, the specifications of what a void dragon is. I'm going to use the gargantuan, the, the ancient void dragon specs. Uh, the Cobalt Press actually provides lots of... It, it, provides the full spectrum from ancient to adult to um to to young to wormling so you you have the full spectrum of of the abilities i'm just going to cover the one that has all the, the the culmination of all of them just understand that there's a spectrum here chaotic neutral aligned so again this is actually the least evil of of the dragons that i could have started with which defeats the purpose of of, of saying I don't think we should bother with metallic dragons right now, but maybe this is a good stand-in for that. So this is a neutral dragon. Armor class is 22. Hit points of 448. That's 23d20 plus 207. I mean, obviously that's a lot of hit points. Good thing it's a neutral dragon, I guess. The languages that it speaks are celestial, so that kind of gives you an idea of, of its lineage, I think. Common, draconic, infernal primordial and void speech don't know what void speech is to be honest but it's listed here their cr rating their challenge rating is 24 uh, so that would put them up around 62,000 xp points if you if you were to kill it again i don't know exactly what would bring the pcs to need to kill a void dragon and i don't think that's probably what they have in mind but maybe it is because there's certainly a lot of specs here for combat options First of all, they have the Chill of the Void ability. Cold damage dealt by the Void Dragon ignores resistance to cold damage, but not cold immunity, but but, but DR um, is ignored. Collapsing Star ability. When the Void Dragon is killed, it explodes in a swath of celestial destruction. Each creature and object within one mile of the dragon takes 55, that's 10d10, bludgeoning damage, and 55, that's 10d10 again, cold damage, and... 55 psychic damage each damage type can be reduced by half with a successful dc 21 saving throw that's dexterity versus the bludgeon bludgeoning uh, constitution versus the cold and then wisdom versus the psychic additionally a creature that fails two or three of the saving throws is affected by a plane shift spell and sent to a random plane i love this so if it is sent to a random plane and the random plane that comes up is the one that you're already in, then you appear 5d 100 miles away in a random direction. So there's really no way around this. Uh, the death of a void dragon is going to disrupt things. 
It also has legendary resistance, so three times a day if it fails a roll, it can just choose to succeed instead. And then it's a, a void dweller, so void dragons dwell in the empty expanse between stars, and they don't require air, food, drink, sleep, or anything like that. They just fly around and glide around on the solar winds, um, just going from place to place in an impossibly short amount of time. They, they, they don't really respect um, the limitations of normal physics. Possible actions, they have a multi-attack, so it can use its aura of madness to make you um, go crazy. It can do things like, and, and that, that manifests itself as a, um, within 120 feet of the Void Dragon, and aware of the, the, of the dragon, you must make a DC 22 wisdom saving throw or become frightened for one minute. A creature repeats the saving throw at the end of each of its turns, ending the effect on itself on, on itself on a success. If a creature fails the saving throw by five or more, it is driven insane. An insane creature is frightened permanently and behaves as if affected by confusion while it is frightened in this way. If a creature's saving throw is successful or the effect ends for it, the creature is immune to the dragon's aura of madness for the next 24 hours. So it's straight out of Lovecraft, obviously. We're looking at the void. We're looking at these these dragons who terrify you and possibly cause you to lose your grasp on reality. It's pretty great. There'll be more Lovecraft connections momentarily. So the attacks that it has are the, the usual ones, Bite, Claw, and Tail. And then, of course, it has the Breath Weapon. It has a Gravity Breath. The dragon exhales a 90-foot cube of powerful localized gravity originating from the dragon. Falling damage in this area increases to 1d10 per 10 feet fallen. When a uh, creature starts its turn within the area or enters it for the first time in a turn, including when the dragon creates the field, it must make a DC 24 dex saving throw. On a failure, the creature is restrained. On a success, the creature's speed is halved as long as it remains in the field. It also has a stellar flare breath. The dragon exhales starfire in a 90-foot cone. You have to make a DC 24 dex saving throw, taking 45, 13, D6, fire damage, and 45, 13, D6, radiant damage on a failed save, or half as much on a successful one. You can also teleport. Like I say, it's not really combined. It's not really constrained by normal physics, and it has a couple of interesting reactions and a couple of legendary actions, including one called a void slip. The dragon twists the fabric of space. Each creature within 15 feet of the dragon must succeed on a DC 21 Dex saving throw or take 13 bludgeoning damage and be knocked prone. So that's that's nice. And then it's also got a void cache. The dragon can magically reach into its treasure hoard and retrieve one item. If the dragon is holding an item, it can use this ability to deposit the, island, the item into its hoard. So it goes both ways. Which could be problematic for a dropped weapon or a, any kind of fumble where you lose, you know, you get disarmed or something by this dragon and suddenly your, your prized magical sword is, is part, of its, part of its stash. Ouch. So anyway, um, the dragon's lair is, as, as we've already covered, it's the void. It's the void of space. But the, the true lair of a void dragon exists deep in the freezing, airless void between stars, hidden away in caves on silently drifting asteroids or shimmering atop the ruins of a star citadel. The void dragon's lair rests in the great void of space. Now, again, I don't see how this is going to necessarily lead to your PCs ever encountering a void dragon, unless you run a campaign where you take your PCs into space, which could happen. Other options, though, that I could I could imagine being available for a void dragon. Two. 
really. One is based entirely on the unknown, uh, the, the quest for the unknown Kadeth, which uh, I've covered in previous episodes. It's a Lovecraft story, and in the story, spoilers, in this story, the, the main character ends up pretty much near the end of reality. Just kind of, you get the, the sense that there's this, this realm called the Dreamlands, and that this, this narrator has come to the end of the, the, of the realm. So if you just imagine um, the the end of the you know the, the medieval concept of of this world that that you could literally fall off of I guess that was a thing back in the medieval days I'm not 100 percent sure but that's what we've been told and so if you if you imagine that then you you could imagine your D and D heroes kind of getting to the end of 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 of, of a specific realm. It wouldn't make a hundred percent sense, but it doesn't always have to. Like if you if you wander into this mountain range and everything is being sort of slowly left behind, and you get the sense that you're you're coming to the end of reality somehow, almost an extra planar journey. Uh, and then somewhere in that void, in the in the in the in the place where reality is sort of forgot to sort of coalesce, there may be a void dragon. I could see that happening there. That's one idea. The other idea is just a, a planar adventure. So if you're into planescape, or if you're willing to flirt with planescape, then quite possibly the Void Dragon could be encountered simply in another plane, in a in a in in a plane that in the ethereal plane or something like that, where it just kind of makes sense to have a an otherworldly dragon hanging out. So I could see that happening as well. And of course, I guess yet another option is simply the 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 fact that void dragons are known for sort of moving through the fabric of reality. So I don't see why it would be a crazy idea for a void dragon to end up in your setting just by virtue of the fact that it can pop through, you know, the the uh, a crevice in a mountain or the shadow the the shadowy places between between two cliff sides. I don't know. You know, I mean, it, it could just kind of emerge from a place and then re remerge into that place as if though it was never there it obviously comes across very uh very magical largely sort of otherworldly or possibly celestial so i think there's a lot of space there for you to to play around with this this dragon conveniently emerging as needed the void dragon is is a i think just one of the the clever the cleverest uh, inventions in the Tome of Beasts. I, th- I think it's it's one of those ideas that um, I guess after you read it seems kind of obvious, but at the same time it it almost seems so hyper specific that you you just don't even know how you would work it into an adventure. But it is one of those beasts that if you need it then it then you've got the perfect one here. So if your if your adventure is already teetering on the edge of space exploration or planescape plane jumping, whatever, portal travel, otherworldliness in general, then the void dragon is is a shoe in. It is really easy to drop this in and have it fit perfectly. And that's a refreshing feeling. You don't have to you don't have to to take a an existing dragon and and add mystery to it. It it comes with all of the mystery and all the otherworldliness and all the the extra extraterrestrial abilities. 
it's all there already for you. It's it's the perfect, and you've got beautiful art. There's there's some art in the Tome of Beasts for the the dragon, uh, specifically on page 141. If you're if if you're following along, uh, that that it's just it's this magical amalgamation of of a starry sky and a dragon. I don't know how they how they do it, those artist types, but it really really works. It's beautiful. It's this um. It's this beautiful otherworldly dragon that that is literally made of the fabric of space. It's it's a brilliant art. So show that to your players and and just watch their jaws drop. I would imagine. Anyway, that's the Void Dragon from Cobalt Press, Tome of Beasts. As I say, if you don't have that book, you should get it. It's really really good. But I'm gonna cover a couple more dragons, both from the Tome of Beasts and other publications. Hopefully this gives you some really great ideas, some inspiration. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Klaatu. You can reach me uh, via email at klaatu at member.fsf.org. You can also usually catch me in IRC as NotClaatu. I'm on the Freenode Network. Thank you very much for listening. And I'll talk to you next time.